well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Well, I'll give you one guess as to what we're talking about on the show today. Actually, you've already read the graphic and the headline, so you already know. We're talking about David Chipman's nomination, the uh, now former nomination of David Chipman, the former ATF agent turned gun control activist who... Uh, uh, was tapped by President Joe Biden to head up the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Farms, and Explosives, a, a place where Chipman had spent 25 years as an agent before embarking on a uh, nearly 10-year career as a paid gun control lobbyist. And uh, multiple news outlets reported on Thursday that Chipman's nomination being pulled by the White House in the face of continued opposition, not just by every Republican in the Senate, but by, uh, it sounds like, at least three Democratic senators, uh, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, John Tester, Montana, Angus King of Maine, who is technically an independent, but does caucus with the Democrats. Uh, these were the same three holdouts that have been holding out for weeks, refusing to uh, uh, say that they would vote to confirm David Chipman and the uh, White House now cutting its losses and uh, moving on from the Chipman nomination. Although it sounds like they're still going to try to find a place for a David Chipman in the Biden administration, uh, albeit in a position that uh, does not face confirmation by the Senate. So join us to talk about uh, all things related to the uh, Chipman nomination, where we go from here, what the gun control groups are likely to do. Are we going to see another nominee to head up the ATF? Stephen Gutowski of The Reload sat down and uh, joined me for a, a lengthy conversation about all those topics and more. Take a look and a listen. Stephen Gutowski, thank you, sir, for coming on the program. It's good talking with you today. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I mean, uh, let's just get right to it. The uh, nomination of David Chibben, from what we're uh, hearing, multiple uh, news outlets reporting that the White House is pulling his nomination. Uh, so I, I have to ask, first of all, I mean, given your reporting over the past couple of months, the, the things that you've uncovered, the ATF agents that you've spoken to, um, uh, you know, both on the record and, uh, and, and on background, who've talked about uh, not just Chipman's anti-gun hostility, but, uh, you know, some of the, the problems uh, with the things that he said, allegations of racism uh, when he was at the ATF. Are you surprised that the Biden administration uh, is pulling the nomination? Are you surprised that it took this long? And, uh, and, and, and what's your take on the White House giving up on putting a gun control activist uh, in as uh, head of ATF? Yeah, I mean, it is interesting, the timing, you know, obviously he had his confirmation hearing back in May. Uh, and so the only the only real news about him or his background were these stories uh, where, you know, we had agents corroborating this the existence of this complaint that he had made racist comments when he was in the Detroit office. And then we had a black former agent uh, tell me that he tried to sabotage his promotion uh, through, uh, you know, an investigation. That was initiated at the OIG, uh, Department of Justice. And um, those are the two big things that came out about him. There was a lot of sort of horse race type reporting going on on, you know, where senators were at on these things. But those stories led to, you know, the entire Republican uh, caucus of the Judiciary Committee calling for a second hearing on Chipman. They led to Mitch McConnell calling for his withdrawal on the Senate floor. Um, and and they had led to Dick Turbin labeling uh, me and uh, the reload a, a anti-gun safety website um, that was making up these claims. <laughs> but but those were the significant developments. And uh, I think it's pretty clear that those had a significant impact on his nomination, because a month after those, the second story comes out, 
now they're pulling him. Whereas like the other calculations, his, his gun control background is work for gun control organizations. That was all well known before he was even picked to be uh, the nominee. So, you know, it's interesting. I think the timing confirms that those stories had an impact and I don't know where the white house is going to go from here. Uh, I would imagine they're going to wait until after the midterms to try a different nominee, maybe. Uh, maybe they'll just give up. I, I don't know. It probably depends on how the midterms go. If they hold the Senate, then I would imagine they'll try to get somebody else through. Um, yeah, we'll I mean, it's an interesting that. calculation for the White House because you're right. I mean, we're coming up in the midterms, but Joe Biden is watching his approval ratings in free fall right now. Uh, there was one Democratic strategist I saw uh, who said Democrats better get ready for a bloodbath in the midterms because uh, if things don't change, we're going to you know, have our uh, rear ends handed to us. So, I mean, you know, does Biden try to wait until after the midterms, hoping that, uh, you know, he can defy history and his party will actually gain seats? Um, Or does he try to do something now? You've still got that 50-50 Senate. Uh, Maybe you try to find somebody that, you know, is is, is more acceptable, not to Republicans, but to Democrats like Joe Manchin. Uh, Ed Morrissey at Hot Air suggested that uh, Val Demings, a Democrat from Florida, former Orlando police uh, chief uh, it would be a good choice, but she's running for the Senate against Marco Rubio uh, in Florida. So she would have to decide to withdraw from that race. And again, maybe she gets confirmed uh, because, you know, there are senators, who know, her. maybe she doesn't because uh, she brings a lot of baggage to the table as well. Democrats might not actually want a police chief there. You know, they're, 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 that, that's the problem, I think, for Biden right now, Stephen, as you look at the the Democratic coalition, and it really is sort of at odds with itself, right? I mean, you've got the gun control activists who say we need somebody like David Chipman in charge of the ATF, but then you've got the far left base of the Democrats who say, look, we need to defund police. We need to be working, uh, you know, moving away from these types of, uh, 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 you know, incarceratory uh, policies. I don't, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't know that there's a uh, an easy way out for Joe Biden going forward here. Yeah, I mean Angus McQueen, uh, the independent from Maine, who, who Angus King. With them. Sorry, <laughs> oh man, getting my gun figures mixed up. Yeah, Angus King, the senator from Maine who caucuses with Democrats. He's an independent, but he caucuses with Democrats. He's been identified a lot as the the main person who who sunk this nomination. Uh, and and you know, one of my sources tells me that he put up two names. One of them was uh, uh, Robinson, who's the current acting director of the ATF. So maybe they'll try to go with a less controversial pick just to get a confirmed director in there. Um, you know, Robinson isn't nearly as he doesn't have the same kind of history that Chipman does of Marvin uh, Richardson, opening. right? Yeah, yeah, sorry, Richardson. Okay. He, he doesn't have the same history of working directly for gun control organizations like Chipman does, but he obviously has that that career history at the ATF and he's currently running the ATF. So but at the same time, like We've been, we've had acting directors for years now. Uh, the confirmed director isn't necessary for the organization to function. Um, right. So maybe the, and, and the thing is Democrats, the moderate Democrats, especially the ones up for reelection in the midterms, I don't think they want any more gun votes at all mm-hmm. uh, on this. You know, I, I've talked to staffers in the, the, the Democratic side of the Senate and the, you know, I just think a lot of them don't want any gun vote one one way or the other. Like they, they, they I don't even know that they were they're happy that this got withdrawn 
they probably just would have preferred it to stay in limbo and not have to talk about it at all. Uh, so putting up another nominee before the midterm seems like a, I mean, any, you know, it's up to the White House. So, uh, you know, the senators don't have the final say as to whether he's going to nominate somebody. But you imagine that they don't necessarily want to have another fight like this right before they go back up for reelection, regardless sure. of who the nominee is. Absolutely. Uh, just out of curiosity, um, do you feel comfortable saying uh, who, who that second name was that uh, had been floated by uh, King's office? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, unfortunately. I believe it was okay. another, it was another um, former, you know, another lifetime ATF uh, nominee. I believe it was a former acting director as well. So King is looking at, for, you know, people who are career people is, is seemed to be what he was putting forward as uh, people to replace Chipman. Um, well, so. I mean, and, and that does make sense because, look, if David Chipman has spent 25 years within the ATF and he, then he hadn't gone to work for Mayors Against Illegal Guns in Giffords, if he had not been an outspoken gun control lobbyist for close to a decade, this nomination may very well have turned out differently. Uh, even if David Chipman's views were the same, I think part of the problem for Chipman was that he was so vocal uh, and there was such a paper trail, uh, not only the things that, you know, you brought up in your own uh, reporting, but uh, this, this, I think, was a miscalculation on the part of the Biden administration from the get go, because there were so many things that, that gun owners could point to and say, look, this guy is not the right guy for the job. He brings a a hostile uh, uh, attitude towards gun owners and towards the firearms industry. Yeah, I mean, he was always a controversial pick, uh, regardless of, of what came out afterwards, certainly. The reload stories were not the only reason that he did not make it through the process, but that was in that was on purpose. I mean, it, it was designed as a pick to help Biden pursue his gun control agenda and to make his supporters in the gun control movement happy. I mean, that that's what this pick was meant to do. And you can see by their reactions today of picking pulled that they're not happy at all, as you might imagine. And uh it's kind of like, uh, you know, sure, they could have picked he could have picked a much less controversial figure, but that would have done a lot less to appease the supporters that he was looking to make happy. Uh, you know, the, the gun control supporters would not have likely been super happy if they if he had just picked the acting director uh, that currently is sitting over the ATF and made him the nominee. Like they're they wanted da David oh, yeah. Shipman because David Shipman is one of them. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, listen, I think gun control groups bear uh, a lot of the responsibility for the failure of this nomination, because you're right. This this was this was a strategy uh, on the part of gun control groups. I mean, they viewed David Chipman as their golden boy uh, and the, the chance to put one of their own uh, in as the head of the permanent director of the ATF. I mean, I think that was something that they had planned before Biden was even sworn in. I mean, I think that was that was, you know, one of their big ticket agenda items. Let's put one of our own uh, in at the ATF. And I think it was a little I think there was some hubris on the part of the gun control activists uh, not realizing maybe they knew that David Chipman would be controversial, but I don't think that uh, that they realized that he would be unacceptable uh, to, you know, let's say red state Democrats like Angus, excuse me, independents who caucus with uh, Democrats like Angus King or somebody like a, a Joe Manchin. I think that they really thought that Biden could sort of steamroll uh, any opposition in the Senate. And that just didn't happen. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair to them, right, this is only the second nominee that hasn't gone through. Uh, so he has managed to push through even controversial nominees like the uh, 
the uh, the interior. Nominee. Oh yeah, the BLM Bureau of yeah. Land Management uh, director. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, and so it, it wasn't. It's not. I think that they knew, and the White House said a number of times that it wasn't going to be easy. But uh, I, yeah, they they certainly calculated that they could get it done. Um, now I think Biden ended up not having very much leverage over any of these senators who were opposed by the time that you know Bush came to shove for his nominee because there's so much other stuff he's trying to get done at the same time. And uh, I also, I mean, it also it also was it, it was it was a stretch to think they could get him nominated, but it was also sort of a pragmatic move uh, to try and placate the gun control community because they i think biden the biden administration realizes that they weren't going to be able to get any legislation through uh on guns and so they thought maybe they could get uh, you know a pick through with 50 votes which also kind of gives you some insight into uh this idea that if they just eliminated the filibuster the filibuster they would get a lot of the gun control uh priorities that they have through a 50 vote you know, uh, majority. Mm-hmm. It's not really clear that that's true. They can't get shipment through that same 50 mo- vote majority. Uh, so would they be able to get something like an assault weapons ban through even on just 50 votes? I don't think that's clear either. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think that they could get a, uh, a, a ban on modern sporting rifles through the Senate. Um, I, they might be able to get universal background checks, but with 51, uh, but I don't think they could get it with 60 clearly. Um, but it, you know, it, it, this does raise the question of, okay, so, you know, given, and I don't want to look at this, uh, just in a vacuum here, but, but given Biden's declining poll numbers, given the fact that, uh, the honeymoon is over, uh, to, uh, to some degree between uh, Biden and the, uh, the press, uh, given the fact that the midterms are coming up, what do you think this does do to Biden's gun control agenda? We just had the public comment period close for the proposed rule on stabilizing braces and pistols. Um, is Biden, you think, going to move full speed ahead in terms of trying to uh, enact these backdoor gun bans via executive action, even without uh, gun control's golden boy uh, in an ATF? That's a good question. I think yes, honestly, because, you know, and a lot of what, where I take that from is uh, Biden's response to Afghanistan, where, you know, if he personally is passionate about something like withdrawing troops from Afghanistan, it seems as though he's willing to push through regardless of the backlash or the outcome of that decision. And so in this case with Chipman, he couldn't just push through because he needed the votes to do it and he couldn't get them. But with the executive actions, with the, the, the regulation changes that you're just referred to there, he doesn't need that. And so I think he's more likely to just push through with, especially now that he needs to maybe sure up some of that support among the gun control uh, base uh, is to me, it's, you know, even if that costs him among other voters, he might go through with it anyway, because he personally believes in doing that. Uh, that That's my view on it. At least this does sort of go against that a little bit because he did, he didn't have to pull Chipman. He could have just kept them there and, kept trying to force him through even if it was hopeless but uh at least in this case he he's relying on uh congress or at least the senate to to confirm his choice whereas he doesn't need to do that for the executive actions and he's i feel like he's more likely to just push through it uh regardless yeah, I suspect that you're right. And because of those calculations, I mean, Biden, you know, look, Biden was the beneficiary of 
uh, you know, over $100 million in campaign spending just for Michael Bloomberg alone, not even counting Giffords and uh, Brady and some of the other groups. So I, I think that Biden um, has a vested interest in in keeping gun control activists as happy as possible. Um, and that's a way to do it, uh, even if, you know, these are legally dubious uh, agenda items. And uh, and I suspect that the Supreme Court uh, is going to want to take a look at some of these rules and how they uh, uh, impact the Administrative Procedures Act. I, I don't know that these rules are going to end up uh, remaining in place. But again, Biden had no problem whatsoever, uh, you know, putting forth a, a legally dubious proposal to extend the eviction moratorium, even though his legal advisor said, yes, probably unconstitutional. You really can't do this. He said, well, you know, his attitude was, well, we'll, we'll, we'll let the court sort it out. It gives us a little bit of time anyway. Um, so I expect he's going to bring that same attitude to executive actions on on guns. If the court strike him down, uh, OK, but uh, we're going to give it a shot and, and see what happens uh, going forward. Yeah, I feel like if he was going to pull it over the overwhelming res- negative response in the comment period, that they would have already done that before the comment period ended. Yeah, could be wrong, but that that's that's how things went with the uh, green tip ban during the Obama administration. They pulled that before it got through the comment period. So <clears throat> we'll see. Uh, yeah, and, and with it, the w- Trump's uh, the the pistol brace ban under Trump uh, that got pulled before the comment period had ended. So uh, you know, this made it. Both of these proposals have made it through the comment period. I think the most likely thing to stop them from going into effect is is a legal challenge more so than waiting for the or hoping for the administration to do something. On it. Right. But these things are not going to be implemented right away. I mean, we talked with uh, Larry Keene from the National Shooting Sports Foundation right after the uh, uh, the first public comment period had closed on uh, on, you know, frames and receivers. And he said, look, you know, the ATF is going to have to uh, go through each and every one of these responses. He thought it would be, uh, you know, late next year. Uh, almost, you know, nine months to a year from now before the ATF was ready to move forward on that rule. This uh, proposed rule on stabilizing braces, you know, we've got a couple more weeks ahead of time. So it could be, you know, I would say at least uh, next June, July, August uh, before the administration is is ready to move forward. And then we see those legal challenges. Do you think Biden just stays quiet on the gun issue between now and then? Do you think maybe he tries to, you know, nibble around the edges? I mean, as you say, I I agree with you. I think there are a lot of Democrats who don't want gun control to be an issue in the 2022 midterms, and they would prefer that Biden just shut up about it. Uh, But I don't necessarily know that that's going to happen either. Yeah, I mean, certainly in public comments, I wouldn't expect him. Yeah, if the topic comes up, he's not going to be shy about it. Uh, I don't know that there's much more he can do uh, from an administrative standpoint, uh, the, the legislation's not going anywhere. He can keep calling on Congress to pass something that's not going to happen in reality. Uh, not in this Congress at least. And, uh, you know, he, he, they've kind of exhausted a lot of the creative things. I mean, the, the Russian ammo ban, uh, that's a brand new concept that they could even do that. And they went, they've already gone forward with it. Maybe they'll find another thing like that. They seem to be open to creative ideas, even if they are you know, legally dubious, like the, the eviction moratorium, like, like you noted earlier. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe he'll find some other thing that he can, you know, th- there's, I, I don't doubt their creativity in trying to address this issue, <laughs> you know, unilaterally. So uh, maybe we'll see something. I, I, yeah, but I, I mean, I do, th- I think that he would go through with it perhaps even if Senate Democrats or House Democrats in, in vulnerable districts don't want him to. <laughs> yeah. Still do it. 
I, I think you're right. I, I, because I do think this is one of those issues where Biden actually does have some legitimate passion. Yeah. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, that that's a, a longstanding uh, passion for Biden. But, what, you know, OK, so probably the last question. I might have one more follow up for you. But, um, you know, what does this do to the gun control lobby, Stephen? Uh, I mean, they have spent obviously a lot of time and energy uh, on this nomination. They uh, uh, proclaimed that, you know, the the gun lobby being weakened uh, meant that the American people were finally going to be heard and a new day was here. What does it mean for groups like Giffords and Everytown and Brady that David Chipman is not going to be confirmed as ATF director? He's not even going to get a vote in the Senate because the White House is pulling this nomination. Yeah, I think it shows that they don't have as much pull even within the Democratic caucus as they might like people to think. Uh, and that opposition to their policies is born out of something more than just uh, NRA lobbying. Right. Because I don't, I don't think it was the NRA that convinced Angus King not to vote for, for Chipman. Um, you know, there's a much broader base of support that these senators are aware of in their own states for uh, gun rights and against gun control. And, and that 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 still remains true, even with somebody like Joe Biden winning the presidency or Democrats having control of Congress. So I think that their reach has has been uh, restricted beyond what they'd like people to think. And, and I think that's what this shows. Yeah. Yep. I think no, I think that's right. And I, I would expect that uh, perhaps in in uh, response, they're going to push uh, even harder in those states where they've got the legislative majorities. Uh, they want to try to show that they are effective, that, uh, that they, they they still matter, that uh, what they're doing is meaningful. Um, you don't want to be seen as losing power. You're right. You don't want to be seen as being ineffective. So I think the the natural response for these organizations is to go to those places where they do have an easier time of uh, passing uh, anti-gun legislation and, uh, frankly, unleashing a lot of really bad ideas uh, in places like California, New York, Massachusetts, New Jersey, uh, places where, you know, they're, they're going to get a warm reception. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I think they'll continue to try and push for uh, you know, more gun control laws in places where they have that sort of supermajority and they can get almost anything that they want passed. Now, of course, they run up against the courts in those situations a lot. Uh, and I think we'll continue to see that. I mean, even DC, Heller just filed another lawsuit, uh, yesterday. So, uh, you know, against the, the city's ghost gun ban, which, which extends to, uh, of course, because it's D.C., they take it to the next step and it extends all the way to all firearms manufacturing, regardless of whether or not uh, you have a, a federal firearms license or anything like that. You just there's no firearms manufacturing allowed at all in any circumstance in D.C. And now Heller's challenge that's so you'll probably see yeah, more laws like that and more challenges like that because because of this dynamic that you're, you're talking about. Yeah, well, and speaking of lawsuits, I mean, I do think that's another area where gun control groups have obviously been very active, uh, and I think they're going to double down on that as well. Uh, you know, they they see that sort of sliver of opening uh, to get around the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act by claiming that it's the marketing materials of these gun companies that are uh, causing all of this violent crime. And, and so far, the courts have allowed uh, those challenges to proceed. So, I mean, if, if they've got that door, you know, cracked open, I think they're going to try to run right through that. Uh, and I would expect a, a lot more litigation in those uh, uh, friendly environments as well. 
And we also might not have seen the last of David Chipman here. There's a report in CNN that the White House is considering appointing him to a position that doesn't require confirmation by the Senate, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. And, and uh, I think that the media's response to to that will be interesting as well, because, I mean, you still have these unresolved allegations that that he he made racially motivated decisions to try and end a black former agent's career or that he made racist remarks while he was in the Detroit office. And none of that has gotten significant coverage from any major media outlet. Uh, and it seems like they're even, even reporting on his, uh, his removal of his nomination. They haven't mentioned it. They've mentioned that Mitch McConnell came out and made a floor speech calling for his withdrawal, but they did not mention why Mitch McConnell came out and made that floor speech because it was directly related to the reloads reporting on on cooperation of the racist comments, the existence of these racist comments, uh, complain about them. And so I think it'll be interesting. Like, are we just going to, is the rest of the media just going to be okay with Chipman being appointed when he, these haven't been resolved and there's been no, he hasn't even denied either one of these personally. And the white house doesn't deny them either. They're just of no consequence. Apparently get ready to be disappointed, Stephen. I, I hate to tell you that, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to matter. And I, I don't think the media is going to cover it. I, I, I think that the, we have, you know, if the media was going to cover those allegations as they should have, they would have done it when those allegations first came out. Uh, and we didn't see that. As you say, we saw the media try to gloss over, the specific criticisms coming from ATF agents who actually worked with David Chipman. They didn't want to get specific, and I don't think they want to do that now. Um, and Neera Tandon, you know, the uh, OMB uh, nominee who, whose nomination was ultimately pulled, she's now a senior advisor uh, to Joe Biden in an unconfirmable position. And I have a feeling that's exactly where David Chipman is going to end up. He'll, he'll be in the White House as a senior advisor. He'll be, uh, he won't have the decision making authority, but he'll still be there whispering in the uh, president's ear or, or the chief of staff's ear uh, about, uh, you know, what the administration uh, should do to uh, to advance the interests of the gun control lobby. I, I think that's what's going to end up happening. Yeah. And that's that just highlights the importance of places like the reload and bearing arms who will cover these kinds of stories and will look into the backgrounds of Biden nominees, because apparently other major outlets either won't or can't. Uh, so, you know, that that's, I think, my bottom line to this whole situation is like the you, you need to people need to support and and uh, follow outlets like yours and mine if they want this kind of information at all. Like it's yep. not as though anyone's disproven these claims; they just don't mm-hmm. cover them. Absolutely, and I would go one step further. I would show that that this shows that reporting from outlets like the Reload. Um, can have as much of an impact, if not more of an impact, than a report from the New York Times uh, or CNN. Um, and I think that that the pulling of this nomination has shown that. So it's it, you know I would I would I would just add to that that not only do we need to support outlets like yours and of course bearing arms, but these outlets are effective. They might not have a million uh, subscribers like uh, the New York Times, but they don't need a million subscribers to have an impact. Uh, and Stephen, again, I, I congratulate you on your excellent reporting. I know that you did not um, start your reporting with the intent of uh, getting Chipman's nomination pulled, but I also know that uh, as a gun owner yourself, you had grave concerns about what Chipman's nomination would mean. 
but I think that your reporting was very fair. Uh, I think it was honest. Uh, I think that you provided opportunities for the other side to uh, to speak out and to respond. They chose not to do that. They chose to call you names instead. Uh, and as a result, I, I think of, of their failed strategy, their nominee is no longer under consideration. Uh, and that's not because let's put it this way. That's ultimately because of the flaws in David Chipman and the flaws in the strategy, uh, as well as the uh, the highlighting of those uh, uh, unresolved issues in Chipman's past that you're able to bring to the table. So, again, I think you did fantastic work reporting on this and uh, congratulations on a big story. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And thank you for being one of the one of the people who is willing to, you know, give light to these stories and and share them with your audience and inform people about what was happening. Hey, that's what we do here. Stephen Gatowski of The Reload. Thank you, as always, my friend, for uh, coming on the program. And I'm sure we'll be talking again very soon. Absolutely. Appreciate Stephen joining us on the program. We, of course, are going to have uh, more reaction uh, throughout the day here on BarryAndArms.com. In fact, uh, as we were talking, just got a uh, message from Alan Golly by the Second Amendment Foundation. It says, I want to thank every gun owner and concerned voter who contacted their senators and helped us stop this dangerous nominee from being confirmed. This is a great grassroots victory for the Second Amendment. Gun rights lobby one, Biden gun ban lobby zero how about that and uh i think that's i think it's accurate i think it's accurate the the gun ban lobby did not get their wish they are going to be i think uh impacted by this i think that they are going to lose stature within the uh, democratic party itself because there are those voices uh on the left who say listen we don't need to be Trying to put more gun laws on the books. The more gun laws leads to more police and it leads to more incarceration, primarily of uh, young black men. This is the wrong way to go about it. We need things like community violence intervention efforts. We don't need to be putting more gun laws on the books. And I expect those voices to get louder within the Democratic Party. There is this, I think, behind the scenes battle going on between the old school gun control groups who say, no, no, we really do need to ban and arrest our way to safety. And some of the folks on the left, I think even further to the left, who say, no, 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 we don't need to do that because we need to reimagine policing. We need to be uh, not just uh, thinking about reforming the criminal justice system, but reinventing the criminal justice system. These are not folks who are making a pro-Second Amendment argument, but they are making an anti-gun control argument. And I expect that those uh, debates are going to grow even louder in the Democrat Party in the uh, short and uh, not too long term. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of a Baron Arms Cam and Company. We uh, just had a beefy discussion with Stephen. So we'll save our good deed of the day and our recidivist report and our armed citizen report for our next program, which will be coming up on Monday. Until then, though, don't forget to check out BaronArms.com for all of the latest Second Amendment news and information that you need to know about. And we'll be back on Monday, as I said. Until then, be well, be safe. And be free.